Welcome to the High Frequency Females podcast. I'm Tiana Walker and I want to thank you for tuning in and as always thank you for taking the time for yourself. If you're here on this journey with us it's because you want to raise your vibration and live the life you want and the life that you deserve. With that in mind it means we all need to heal, face our shadow selves and educate ourselves so we can become the people we've always wanted to be. This podcast is a collaboration of inspiring and empowering women and human beings who will help us along in our journey. I'm not going to pretend I'm perfect because I'm on this journey with you and I'm going to keep it real as I know I'll screw things up along the way with you. And hey, we're all human, right? Well, I guess we're all spiritual beings having a human experience, but hey, that's woo-woo for you. This space is completely free of judgment and is full of acceptance and healing. So take what you need, leave what you don't, and enjoy the High Frequency Females podcast. Hello, all you High Frequency Females. This episode is one of my favorite guests, and she's returning, Kat Kentrell. So what we did this episode is I asked you, the listeners on my social media platforms, to ask us some questions. So this episode is all about your Q&A for dating and relationship advice. So enjoy. I have one of my favorite guests on today and I've been super excited for weeks. As soon as she confirmed our booking for today, I was like, yes. So welcome, Kat. How are you? I'm so I I'm so excited to be back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I when you when you reached out and you're like, hey, do you want to? I'm like, yes. Um, <laughs> you're what you're one of my favorite people. In fact, um, I whenever I whenever I hear from you, I I just get so tickled because I just think you're such this amazing, beautiful beam of light and you're doing so many amazing things. So I just Yes, I'm so happy to be here. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much. And you add so much value to not only your clients, but everyone on social media. Like, where can the um, listeners find you? Because you were hilarious. Your reels, holy crap, keep me <laughs> engaged for like four hours of my life on Instagram. <laughs> Every night. You know, reels, yeah, I have I have like this, I, I love them the majority of the time, but I feel like you know how like as creators, they're always, they're saying that you should batch them, that you make them all at once and you should batch them and, and store them. And I, my brain just doesn't work that way. So I feel like I'm like really hot and cold when it comes to real creation. Like I'll make a bunch of them like all at once. And I'm like, that's great. And then there'll just be times where I'm just like, I, I got nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. Like, I don't feel like I'm that funny. But like yeah. I have like the reels. I feel like I have to be funny. Like that's my, like I try, I've tried to do the serious, like pointing ones. Yeah. Don't, those don't do well for me. <laughs> the ones where I'm making fun of myself or just making fun of dating or just like trying to make a point, but using humor, those are always the ones that are way more successful. Yeah. So yeah, you can find me, you could find me on Instagram. That's really where I spend the majority of my time. And it's just Cat Cantrell and they're both C's. A lot of people like spelling cat with the K, but it's yeah, two C's. C-A-T-C-A-N-T-R-I-L-L. Yeah. Yeah. But with your, when you make fun of yourself and it's like the semi-serious, it sort of shows a vulnerability that I connect to. So when those ones come up, that's why I love them. So even when, yeah, so to see that and 
I think on social media we always have to portray that we're so perfect or it's a perfect life. So when something comes up like that's engaging, you connect to it yeah. straight away and that's what really I love and I know it's what my listeners love too because they want to be able to see people that they can connect with. It's not about perfection. There's so much beauty right. in the imperfection. So what you're yes. doing, whether it's here or there, whatever you're doing, you're adding value, whatever you do. So keep that up. It's amazing. Oh, Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so today we're going to ask you some questions that our listeners have put forward. And some of them I'm, I'm yeah. like, wow, I've never thought of that. I guess because I'm not a single lady. It's right. this and how and when I was, that was over eight years ago now. So the world is a very different place than what it was it then. So these questions, some right. of them have like really stunted me because it's something I've never really even thought about before. So are you ready? I am so ready. So Let's ready. do this. Okay. So the first one was, and there was a lot of emojis in this one when it was sent through, so it was great. Um, and the messages <laughs> that followed from this person were great as well. So the first one was, how mm. do I find a decent man? No games or mm. hidden agendas. So uh, where do you find a decent, yeah, decent man? I think that this is a, this is a common uh, point, a uh, pain point for a lot of single women out there. And I've heard it quite a lot um, through if it's clients that are sitting in my office or just um, overhearing people talking about dating in general, that it can be really hard to find decent people to connect with, to go on dates with, and to ultimately form hopefully long-term relationships with. And I always say that there are so many incredible singles out there. It's just they really struggle finding one another. And they're, part of the work that I do is helping people understand really what it is that they're truly seeking for in a partner and to understand really what's important and what's not important. You and I were kind of talking about, okay, with at the end of the day, what's really important when it comes to trying to find a partner and I think that we can possibly say no to people that might be a good fit for us due to whatever filters that we've put on our life, whether it's a, a particular type of person that you're looking for, that you have this like criteria. And so to me, like whenever people say, where do I find a decent person? There's decent people all over. It's just what we decide to let in to our lives because I've met incredible people who are online dating. I've met incredible people who go to, to singles events who are putting themselves out there. And I think it's that it's, we have to have a greater understanding of what it is that we are looking for and what we are seeking and what we are swiping right on. In fact, uh, there was a study that was done just watching singles behaviors when it comes to swiping on online. So they met with these singles and they're like, okay, tell me what is it that you're truly seeking for in a partner? And these singles went through this list and they like wrote down all of these things that this is what they were looking for. And then watch them in their swiping behavior on who they were saying yes to and who they were saying yes to did not line up with who they told them who they were looking for. So there's a disconnect. 
So we say that we want one thing, but our behavior is telling us that it's something that we're looking for something different. Cause I think it's like one of those things where you'll see a profile and you'll be like, mm, they might, uh, you know, it looks like they, they maybe they, they might not be a good match for me or, or maybe, uh, maybe that there's a couple of red flags that show up in their profile and you're just like, ah, mm, why not? And you swipe right anyway. So I think that just you understanding that they're changing that mindset being like, there are decent people everywhere. It's just that why am I only allowing in those, these, you know, those that aren't decent? Why am I only letting in the people into my life that are not of the caliber that I deserve? And that what is it that I truly am looking for in a partner? So it's, I think it's a little bit deeper than just saying, where do I, where all the good guys are at, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's how you explain yeah. that is amazing. And I guess that goes into working on yourself first and healing yes. like past traumas, I guess. Have you had yes. any clients where, you know, you've actually had to say maybe work on yourself first before? Yeah. In fact, um, it's since I launched the matchmaking, uh, the matchmaking part of my business, because before with my business, it was dating, coaching, and matchmaking. And you, the, they were kind of like different. They were just different offerings. But what's happening now is that I'm realizing more and more when people do come to me for matchmaking services, that it didn't matter how much work I did to find them a perfect match. If you are still telling yourself these same stories, you're still getting in your own way. There's still these made up ideas or misconceptions on what relationships and love is, it doesn't matter. I can bring to you your most perfect partner. You might tell me no. So now I've switched it to where you have to be coached for the first three months, minimal, before you undergo any kind of matchmaking service because of that particular, just of what you mentioned. Because I feel like to understand really what is it that you're seeking? And sometimes people don't even know what that is because they have such a disconnected relationship with themselves. And it's not to say you have to completely love yourself. You have to be completely healed because we know that's not a thing that we're always a work in progress, but just to love yourself enough to know what you are deserving of, to know what, to understand like when someone amazing comes across your path for you to say yes, that you deserve to have that in your life. I can't even tell you how many times women in particular will be on a call with me or sitting in my office and telling me, okay, these are the things that I'm looking for. Is that too much? Is that too much to ask? I'm like, oh, and it's like, it, these, these needs aren't like, these are like basic needs of a relationship. And for women to go, is, is that too much? Obviously, people have told her in the past, right, that her that she's too needy or these things are, you know, what she wants in a relationship is too much. But I think some of it, too, is just giving people permission to be like, that isn't too much and that you have every right to have these to have these needs in a relationship. So, yeah, it happens a lot more than you think. And I think it's like when you are really wanting to have a relationship, sometimes that relationship needs to start with the one that you need to have with yourself. So amazing. And I know in our yeah. previous discussion, we were talking about the different attachment styles. Is yeah. that something that 
people can um, change their attachment style with coaching or is it oh, something? Yeah. yeah. Because I know, um, uh, yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say necessarily just with coaching. I mean, coaching actually brings the awareness to what the attachment style is. Um, and here's an example of how coaching would help if you're an anxious attachment. So anxious attachment is where really the, they're always worried that the threat of intimacy is going to leave, like the, the intimacy is going to leave them at any point in time. And so they will latch on to, uh, they're very quick to jump into relationships because they're just so fearful of, um, not being loved and the fear of not being loved. And, when anxious, when they're dating, sometimes they will just make exceptions, ignore all red flags, not listen to their intuition, not listen to their gut, and just make exceptions or make excuses just to be in a relationship. And when you're working with a coach, what you can do is as you're dating, the coach can get you back aligned being like, remember, these are the things that you want. Remember, these are the things that you need. This person is showing these sides of themselves that don't align with your values or what, what you're looking for. And so giving them that awareness of being able to be like, okay, you're right. I don't need to be in this relationship and helping anxious understand and give them the tools they need to have a more of a abundance mindset, meaning there are so many fish in this. I hate to use this saying, but it's true that there's so many fish in the sea because anxious think like, oh my gosh, this is the only person for me. And it's not, there are so many people out there uh, that to help them have that abundance mindset of being like, yes, go on multiple dates with multiple people start to. And the reason why it works is because it helps the anxious deactivate their attachment system. So the more that they date, the more dates that they go on, the more they're able to deactivate their attachment system, the more they're able to look at those encounters and possible future relationships with a more clear mindset. And uh, so, yeah, when you have a coach, it's not necessarily that your attachment will change. When you're in a relationship, your attachment can change and it can change from one to another very easily. In fact, a quarter of people will change their attachment style every, like every four years, because it depends on what relationships that you're in. Um, but working with a coach is just helping you recognize those triggers, recognize those feelings, like having those conversations with yourself so that you can become more and more secure as you're dating. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I just love it. Sorry. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, know just how like, I I'm like a sponge, like, oh my God, this is so much. I'm like, ah, <laughs> Love it. Love it. And I know that listener is going to absolutely love that answer. And I know it's going to help her tremendously. So the next one is what are good boundaries to set when dating? Oh, okay. So when it comes to boundaries, I think that it's, this is one of the things that I work with my clients too, is before they really start getting back out there is to sit yourself down and say, okay, these are my boundaries. So there's a couple of different things that I would suggest for you to really think about because everybody's, it depends on your personality. It depends on uh, what you're allowing, what you feel comfortable with allowing into your life. Cause some people will have some straight 
some people have some boundaries on some things that other people won't. And so I think having that, um, having that conversation with yourself, but the first thing that I suggest for all singles is to please have boundaries when it comes to online dating, meaning it can be really easy to download that app, to create your profile and just start swiping. And have it consume like, oh my gosh, because it's, it's, you have so many choices and there's so many people and I just want to go through them all and who am I matched with? And it's really exciting. And you get that dopamine kick over and over and over again. And to me, this is, you're not, you're more in these spaces, you're more addicted to the dopamine that versus like really seeing this person with intent and with, okay, could this person possibly great be a good match for me? And so with online dating, I always say limit, time limit, like 30 minutes, even like you can even create a whole experience for yourself. You can like get a glass of wine, you could sit down, you can be like, okay, you can set a timer and you could say, I'm only going to spend 30 minutes tonight. And you could do it whenever it's good for you because online dating is a tool it's not the end all be all when it comes to meeting people. And so I think that that's a boundary for sure when it comes to as far as like using that tool to make sure and just designate it at a certain time and understand too, as you're going through your inbox, if you know for sure that there's absolute that people are contacting you and you know, it's not a match to delete those messages, you are not obligated to answer anyone. I want to make sure like if you, someone sends you a message, you are not obligated to answer them, especially if you know it's not a good match. Now, with that said, I think it's also important to mention you are online dating because you are hoping to connect. If you're online dating for attention, that's different. But if you're dating to truly find someone and to connect with someone and you find someone that's in your inbox and you're, they really have piqued your interest, please respond like quickly. Cause the, the goal of online dating is to really, we don't want to lose the momentum. I think we kind of talked about this before you don't want to lose the momentum and you want to, you want to move them into real life very quickly. So manage your inbox very wisely. Mm-hmm. And again, just set those boundaries of what it is for you. As far as like, do you give them your phone number? Do you put them onto WhatsApp? Do you, how is it that you're going to move them off the app and into real life? As far as date, when you start to go out and, and date, I think you also need to have boundaries when it comes to texting. I always tell singles, do not get in texting relationships with people unless you've started to date, right? You're starting to date, you're starting to see them and you start to develop a relationship, then that's fine. But if you're still trying to get to know them, try to get from date one to date two in that era, in that kind of area, don't do not have serious relationships via text. Save it either for the phone, like actually talk to them on the phone. And some people aren't phone people. Like again, this is where you need to set your own boundaries, right? Whether you talk on the phone or don't, or do FaceTime or don't, that's totally up to you. But do not have serious conversations via text because we don't, we can't read people's tone. We can't see, we can't really hear their voice and understand the emotion that's behind the text and keep those. So therefore keep those conversations for real life. Like, I think that that, if you want to talk about your childhood and those kinds of, you know, keep it for 
when you're face to face and wanting to dive in and, and have those deeper and have those deeper conversations. I think that that's amazing and it can help create connection, but over text, absolutely not. When it comes to like where you go on dates, again, this all, all goes with your comfort. And I think it depends too on the connection, right? Like you might have a connection with someone and you hit it off right off the bat where you feel comfortable enough to be like, okay, let's go have an experience together. Or you might meet someone and say, mm, I'm not sure. Maybe let's just go have a coffee date first. So I think it's important to listen to yourself to really understand and set these boundaries of what your com- you know, where your comfort is. And I think the last thing I want to mention about setting boundaries when it comes to dating is understanding like what amount of space do you need? Because people are different and it does depend on your attachment style too. People are different when it comes to space. So if you have someone who's texting you multiple times a day, it's up to you to tell them your boundary. People cannot read your mind. They cannot, they cannot, they don't understand because to them, they're just acting normally. And this is how they would be in a normal, in, in a relationship to themselves. So it's up to you to say, Hey, I can't text like this all day. I will text you tonight. So if you can just make your needs, make sure and communicate your needs and what that is, I think that makes dating so much better too, is that set these boundaries into place and then communicate these boundaries to the other person. And if you're like on the fence, communicate that boundary with that person and see how they react. If they honor that boundary, then that's even a, that's a bonus point for them, right? We're like, oh, I'm setting a boundary and they're honoring that boundary. And that to me shows how it just shows their that they are um that their character is in line with with respecting you and honoring you as long as you know when you set that boundary and they say okay so setting boundaries and i mean there's so many boundaries honestly but i think that just setting some bare minimum ones when it comes from okay how am i going to communicate online to what do i feel comfortable with dating how am i going to communicate with them and what that looks like just setting yourself up for success that way i think would just make your dating life so much more peaceful and so much more fun and i like how the different attachment styles because after our last conversation it was interesting that i noticed that attachment style within myself and my partner as well because we're very yeah. oh. very different attachment styles but i i think i'm a swinging attachment style because i'm a you very, can be yeah i'm a very um independent person so i mm-hmm. can be lovey and clingy but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I want my own space. I don't want to feel the pressure of having to text someone all the time, which he does uh, fly in, fly out work. So it, it's kind of great at the same time. Yeah. So I know that, you know, to meet his needs, I do when he is home or when he's away, I have to make that time to, okay, this is how he wants to be treated and loved and so forth and um, he respects that sometimes I do need my space I need to have my own you know sometimes I'll say okay just give me like half an hour let me just chill out in my bedroom and relax (laughs) so and after eight years that's something I think you know that's going to be for the rest of your life I guess your attachment style right right yeah and 
I love hearing that. You what an amazing human you are, like listening to your partner and like understanding his needs and and being able to be there for them and the way that they feel loved and seen and understood and him also respecting you and being like, yep. Cause my partner, I, it's, it's the same way where sometimes I'm, I'm the more anxious. So I'm the one that's more communicative. I'm the one who's multiple texting. Um, but sometimes he'll tell me, he's like, I just need space right now. I'm just going to do this. And he'll sometimes have to say, this isn't, it's not us. Sometimes I'll say that because I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, no, 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 it's not us. But again, it's like listening and like really paying attention to what your partner's needs are and then understanding and communicating and being able to put them at ease or give them the space that they need so that they can, so they can come back recharged. I think all of that is super important. So kudos to you. And I guess it's that um, open communication to say, look, I just need a moment and I'll be back. It's nothing to do with you. And I think when people truly care about one another, even though I need my time, I need to respect and communicate what I need and yeah. for him to feel comfortable with that as well um, and having that communication, I think, is super, super important. It is. And I I think that setting boundaries to when it's when it's when you're dating is kind of a test, too, on what type of person is this? If you're able to set a boundary with them and they're able to honor it or watching their reaction afterwards, it's like it's a good like sneak peek on possibly what that relationship might be. So if you're allowing someone just to kind of dictate and and to navigate the whole dating relationship, you'll never know whether or not when you finally stand up for yourself or set that boundary with the person, whether or not they are how they're going to respond. And you might be knee deep in that relationship. So setting these boundaries right off the bat and understanding more and communicating right off the bat uh, is just, it's really key in building a relationship. So amazing. Yeah. So we've got that next question coming up. So it is how long should you date before moving in with someone? Oh gosh. Ooh. Okay. This is, uh, I don't think I've ever been asked this question before. This sort of threw, threw me off a little bit because I'm like, Yeah, I don't know because I know people that have moved in really soon and it's been like 10 years later and they're still together. And then I've met people that moved in like 10 years after dating. So it's crazy. Like is there is no one size fits all in my, in my eyes, I guess. Yes. I, so I've, I've, I have two different, I have two different opinions on this and I think it just depends on if you want to get married. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because if you, if your intention is to get married and because there's, you know, there's some people that it doesn't matter that marriage is not the end goal and that it, they're just seeking a partnership. And then there's some people that are like, no, I really want to get married. I think that if you, if you're wanting to get married, I think that moving in once you're engaged is ideal Mm -hmm. because I do feel that if you move, if you move in before engagement, that sometimes that will derail what your ultimate goal is 
because I feel like a lot of people will settle, like they'll move in together, even though they want to get married, they'll move in together. And then that it just stalls things. Mm -hmm. They just never progress. And I know that's not, I know that that's not, I know that there are some cases where that's, that that it happens where people move in and then they, and then they get engaged and then they get married. But I just feel that if your ultimate goal is to get married, that if you could wait until you could, until you were engaged to that person before you move in, I think that that's in a much better headspace for you. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to partnership, I think you know, I'm like you, like, I, I don't think it, I don't think it matters if you move in on month three or you move in on month 12. I really don't. I think that if you, and the reason why I say this is because it takes studies show it takes three years to really know someone. So if moving in with someone is a risk of a certain degree, right? So you're combining you're combining your stuff, you're living together, you're waking up with each other every day, you're combining, sometimes you have blended families and you're, and you're uh, bringing children together. So I think it's when it comes to that, it's really truly a case-by-case basis. Like what are you willing to, are you willing to take your relationship to that next level? Are you ready to blend families? Is it, is it a, t- a point in time where you feel it is a good spot in your relationship to where, because you and I both know when you move in with somebody, then you see a completely different side of them. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to to have that in your relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like sometimes we're eager, again, not to go back to attachment theory, but if you're anxious, right, like you're going to want to move in with that person right away. And I think that really having a firm foundation of your relationship, understanding its dynamics, understand that the you know, making sure that the two of you have the same values, have the same goals, have the same understanding of what it is that you're both working towards, then go ahead and and move in with one another. I mean, I've seen couples like you, I've seen couples that have moved in after a few weeks and they're married and they've been married for 25 years. And I've seen couples that have waited until they were engaged to be married and moved in and end up getting divorced. So it's just, it's just, I wish there was just like a but I think I wish there was like a, a, a right or wrong way, but like, especially if you're trying to get married, I just feel that please just stand firm in what you really want. Cause I feel so many people will compromise that mm-hmm. in order to get these other things instead. So really just understanding what is, what is it that you want? What is it that you want from this relationship and where do you see it going? And then just going from there. Because I guess the younger yeah. generations that are coming through, marriage isn't as important, mm. especially in Australia. It's right. Um, a, in Australia, a lot of us get married a lot later in life in comparison to other countries. And the housing affordability, sometimes it's easier just to move in with your partner. So the lines get oh, blurred yeah. so much now and it's a lot harder for people to be able to afford homes on their own they have to essentially mm. be in a couple for some people to even purchase homes. And I know in Australia, renting is ridiculously expensive at the moment. We've actually got a rental crisis. 
as well at the moment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and our houses have just like skyrocketed. Yeah. Ever since COVID, especially in the area where I live in far North Queensland and it's tropical and beautiful all the time. We had hardly any COVID cases in North Queensland. So we had people from our Southern states moving and purchasing um, a lot of apartment complexes uh, and housing here as holiday homes essentially which sort of bought all the houses in the market so I am seeing a lot oh of gosh. people moving in with their partners a lot sooner than what probably they would have normally if there wasn't this rental or housing crisis so it's wow yeah. There's, I think, I think yeah. ever since COVID, relationships have completely changed as well. Going more digital, oh, yeah. digital versus face to face. People are moving in quicker. There's just the game has changed. It has changed, and I, and just to like circle back, I think if you're wanting to move in with that person. I think that it's up to you to make sure and know that it's the right thing for you. And I think that people will like with you kind of what you said, I think sometimes people will settle and just move in anyway. And they're just like, uh, so I think just be really mindful and just pay attention to yourself on whether or not it's a, it's a good move for you. So amazing. Yeah. So we've got our next questions. We've got two more. We've got compromise. Um, Is it that important in a relationship? And what is too much compromise? Is compromise important in a relationship? Is that the Mm -hmm. the first? Yes. Yes. Um, So compromise, I think that people will misinterpret compromise with settling. And I, I, I kind of want I'm, my definition. I kind of want to explain the the difference between the two. So compromise is you, you move into a house, you want white cupboards, mm-hmm. they want wood cupboards, and you're like, oh my gosh, but I really want the white cupboards, and they're like, well, I really want the dark wood cupboards, and then you say to yourself, okay, fine dark wood covers. So that's a compromise, right? You're just like, okay, it's not that important to me. So I'm willing to go ahead and compromise on that. And I think there are little, we think that there are these, when we start to date someone, the things that we feel that are so important in in what we're looking for in a partner really don't end up being as important as we think. Because at the end of the day, like it's, it's really like the core values of like how this person treats you. Do you align with like, what is it that you're wanting in a family and religion and like all in politics and all of these different things that are really important to some people and understanding and having those deeper values of trust and honesty and, and love. Compromise settling is saying to yourself, okay, I really want to get married one day and you're starting to date someone and they're like, I don't. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you really want to get married, but you're settling with this person and you know that even though you really want to get married and you're settling with this person, you know that you won't to me, that's settling in a way or settling 
meaning like if you are wanting to have children and they don't, and you agree to not have children, like these core things that are really these core values and uh, things that you really want from a relationship that really matter when you, when you, that's when you decide to give up on those things, when you give up, that's when that is settling. Compromise is we compromise all the time. It's negotiation, right? We are always negotiating uh, and compromising of like, where did the kids go to school? Okay. You want the kids to go to private school or you want the kids to go to public school. Okay. Where can we meet in the middle? What can, or daycare or staying at home? What is, you know, so I feel like if, if, if we're in a relationship and all we do is, is the person that we're with, they just agree to everything that we want to do. It's not, you want that person to show up to that relationship as their own individual. So they're bringing, they're coming as their authentic self. You're showing up as your authentic self. You're not going to agree. I promise you <laughs> there is going to be a lot of things that you're going to disagree on and it's up to you to make those compromises. But when it comes to your core values and really what you stand for and the other person doesn't, that's when you're settling in order just to be in a relationship or just to be able to maybe move in with someone like to your point, like, oh, well, I won't have to live by myself. I can go live with somebody, but you know that your core values don't align. That is when you're settling. And so I feel like knowing the difference of really what you're seeking and really what's important relationship versus some stuff that just doesn't matter, I think is really, I think it's at the end of the day, when you're jeopardizing your core values in order to be with somebody, that's, that's when you settle and not compromise. So, um, what was the second part of that question? So yes, compromise is part of every relationship. Yeah, I think you pretty much answered, answered it was okay, uh, good. what is too okay, much good. compromise. So totally love having that definition of compromise and settling. That's a huge, yeah. huge difference. And I never actually thought mm-hmm. of it like that. So I guess I do a lot of compromising as does my partner when it comes to choosing yes. what we're having for dinner. That's probably our most difficult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> difficult thing to decide what do we have for dinner tonight so (laughs) yeah and I think it's you both you want to have a relationship where there is compromise because one of the key components of a successful thriving long-term relationship is having a growth mindset of saying to ourselves I don't know everything saying to ourselves, yeah, I'm willing to learn and grow and to understand more about myself, about you, about the world. So if we're always just agreeing to what the other person wants, that's not having a growth mindset. That's not being able to face issues at hand and being able to talk those things out and understand, okay, oh my gosh, we have this thing that's happening in our relationship. How can we talk this out to where we can compromise on it or be able to solve it together? That's why it's really important to have to have these little have these little discussions and these little in little moments of compromise in your relationship because it makes it grow and it makes us stand stronger. So yeah. Love it. So argue about dinner. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It's more about who's doing the dishes, I think. So I always ensure yeah. that I am the cook and he's the cleaner because I absolutely hate loading the dishwasher and unloading the dishwasher. It's my, I hate it. I hate it. I will do anything but that. I would rather mop the floors than do the dishes. 
Um, it's funny because Brian, my partner, um, he, uh, I was just telling my girlfriend this the other day, he, and I, he will, he and I will argue about who's doing the dishes because he doesn't want me to do them. And I know it's like, this is funny, but he always has the saying for me. He's like, you're too hot to do dishes. That's what he always says. <laughs> you're too it. hot to do dishes. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> you know, tonight I'm going to be to Justin. I'm going to be like, yes. I'm too hot to do dishes. <laughs> you are too hot to do dishes. Yes. All women are too do hot the dishes. to do dishes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Especially it. if you're cooking. Yeah. Yeah. He should absolutely be cleaning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, the biggest argument is like he loads the dishes, but he doesn't want to unload it. And like that's part of doing the dishes is the unloading yeah. as well. <laughs> yes. I agree. I agree. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. You're onto something. Yep. So we've got our final question and I might have another question that might run on to this one after and the difference between okay. um, casually dating and then long-term. So let's start on the long-term. How do you truly yeah. know if you've outgrown your partner? Oh, gosh. That's a great question. So when we've outgrown our partner, I feel like we start to focus on everything we don't have within that relationship. Mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on the things that we do, we'll start focusing on the things that we don't. Mm -hmm. And once we start focusing on the things that we don't have in the relationship, the relationship is almost doomed at that point. Because when we don't realize what we have and like maybe possibly the person isn't our person anymore and we start focusing on all the reasons why they aren't um i think that's a sign i think we have to pay attention to the difference between am i bored in the relationship or have i really outgrown this person where i'm not in love with them anymore because i think love love like people say you fall in and out of love with your partner and i just don't believe that's true i feel like if in your partnership you're always in love it's just whether or not you're you're like enjoying them or liking their company or like i feel like it's a situation to where it's possible that maybe they have undergone some interests or like they've taken on some new interests or activities or something to where something's taking up more of their time and attention. And here's an example. This is what I can think of. So in my previous life, when I owned my dance studio, I would have women come and dance with me. And as they would dance with me, their confidence would start to build, right? So their confidence would start to build. They would start to look at their lives differently. They would start looking at the relationships differently. And it really caused them to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what is it that I'm doing in my life? And what ended up what happening in those relationships sometimes is that the husband didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that their wife was becoming more confident in their own skin, where she uh, was starting to involve herself in new activities and new hobbies is, is like looking at herself differently, paying attention to herself, loving herself on a whole new level. And the husband didn't, wasn't along for the journey. And to me, it's these moments when one person is 
falling back in love with themselves or this one person is maybe finally paying attention to themselves Mm -hmm. and the other person's not on board, Mm -hmm. then that's when you're growing apart. That's when you're realizing, okay, this person could possibly not be my person anymore because they're not going to support me on this journey. To circle back to what I said before about having a growth mindset, you grow together, not apart. You're supposed to keep growing. You may not like each other all the time, but you're going to continuously support each other in your journey as you're developing and becoming more and more of an individual. In fact, they have done studies where People always say, okay, I'm a strong, independent person. I'm so afraid of losing my my independency, being an independent person when I'm in a relationship. But really, when you're in a relationship, you become, if you're in a healthy relationship, you become more independent. They call it, they call it the, the dependency paradox because the more you're with, the more you um, are feeling solid in a relationship, you get that freedom. Mm-hmm to feel like you can do more with yourself because you have the security of someone by your side. And so to me, if you feel that you're possibly exploring more things about yourself, learning more about yourself, paying attention to yourself, loving yourself more, and your partner's not in line with that, then that is probably a sign to you that you're outgrowing them. And it's everything you say throughout this entire podcast episode, I keep referring back to my own partner in my head and the positive things I think that he does for me is because I've started this podcast and, you know, I am certified um, mindset and leadership coach and empowerment, you know, I'm certified in Enneagram and I, I have just this need to continuously I don't know, gain knowledge and create this beautiful space for people that my partner's like, so what are you doing next? What's happening? Like he's always encouraging me and supporting me and I'm doing the same for him as well because I'm like, okay, so what do you want to do now career-wise? Like do you want to stay where you are? Do you want to grow? And it's having those conversations and us knowing that each other are going to support each other whatever we choose to do with our career. So it's having, I just, yeah. And I like look back on past relationships where there was no support, no communication. It was a lot of demanding of my time that I couldn't even be my own person. So to have someone that is like that, it's, yeah, it just makes you so super aware of what's really positive and growth mindset versus someone that's stagnant and sort of holding you still in cement boots. Like it's, yeah. yeah. And you probably feel the same with your partner and having that growth mindset as well. Yeah. And he taught me that too, because I, I've, I never had a relationship with someone who was so supportive and encouraging and being like, what's next, what's next, what's next? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you should be doing for each other is being like, okay, what's next for you? Like, what's the next thing you're going to do? What's the next thing that I'm going to do? And I'm going, I don't know. Like, I feel when when you're in a healthy, growing, thriving relationship, you really are each other's best cheerleader. And that's how it should be. And just like you said, it's like you don't want someone holding you by your ankles and not allowing you to thrive and grow and be better versions of yourself. Mm -hmm. To me, that's insecurity. Like, there's a lot of reasons why that might not happen with them um, because of their own insecurities or the threat of losing the relationship, et cetera, et cetera. 
but yeah, you said it beautifully. And I didn't know you were certified in the Enneagram. What Enneagram are you? I am type seven with a eight wing. Okay. So that's why I'm a bit like, la, la, la. Yes. No, my partner, my partner's a type seven. So yes, I, um, he's a seven and I, I'm a two wing three. That's what I am. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's crazy. I did it years and years ago and, um, yeah, I just, I really loved it. And because I studied psych as well. And then I also did a, um, a short, um, neuro, is it, um, the NPL, uh, which is, oh, yeah, NLP, the new uh, neuro linguistics programming stuff years ago as yes. well. So, um, yeah, so I've been doing a few refresher little courses as well to get my mind back mm. into it since I've been doing this, so I can offer a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's just so interesting how the brain works, and I'm also done yes. my disc training as well. So, and in that, I'm I'm actually quite balanced with my disc, except what surprised me was that I was. Um, I scored like almost nothing in S for support. And so when I told my oh. team, they're like, you are supportive. So, it, yeah, it was very interesting. It's just that I high, hmm. yeah, have high value in the other ones a lot more that when it comes to S. Right. I, I am supportive, but I don't find it as important as the others apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> and have you done hmm. the 16 personality types as well? I have. I have. Yeah, what are you in that one? I am I'm an ENFP. Oh yes. Yes. I, I don't know what the the letters are now. I'm I'm the protagonist. I oh, you're the protagonist. I'm um <gasps> what am I? I just know that Obama and Oprah Winfrey are that. <laughs> so when I do Oh my gosh, like, you're so that. funny. I'm gonna have to um I wonder what I am. So with all your dating and stuff, do you do any of those profilings with any of your clients at all? Yeah, I do. I actually put them through a series of different tests and one of them being 16 personalities. Amazing. Um, I'm, the, I'm the campaigner. campaigner. I just figured it out. Oh, nice. I'm the campaigner. <laughs> My yeah. partner is the mediator. Um, he's what? The mediator. Oh, the mediator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So there's a series of tests. So there is, so of course, attachment. So I want to know their attachment styles. I also want to know their saboteurs. So I put them through a sabotage, self-sabotage test so I can figure out how they're getting in their own way. I also, um, 16 personalities. I also, um, there's a values test that I have them take so that they're very clear on what their top five values are. So again, when we come to the the whole discussion on settling and that kind of thing that we know that these are the core type type five, top five values. I also um, put them through the test, which is called the big five. And the big five is used to kind of know whether or not how they would operate in relationships, because it all talks about your friendliness, your uh, assertiveness, like all these, it takes apart all these different parts of your personality. And for me as a coach, it just really gives me a kind of a sneak peek into who you are as a person. Cause I don't know, I don't know everything about you, but these tests just give me that um, little sneak peek so that I know how to help you best 
when we, when we first start working together. So yeah. And a lot of my clients love those tests. They're just like, give me the tests. I want to know all the things about myself. So it's a lot I, of fun. I absolutely love that because I think when you think a dating coach, oh, they go in, they get to know you a little bit and then they try and match you up with people. But you go so in depth mm-hmm. with their personality types and really get to know yes. them, but also almost put a mirror up so they can see themselves clearly. Um, and they probably, I know when I've done tests on myself before, um, especially in the Enneagram and looking at, you know, the triad and, you know, what mine, I think mine comes through as fear and I don't like to um, uh, sort of with not feel emotion. I don't like to feel pain, emotional pain. Yes. Um, and yes. just knowing that I... Uh, because I know I sometimes even when it's like emotional pain, I just was like, oh, I got to flee. See you later. Um, but now that I recognize it, I actually take it in, recognize that and be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm safe. I can feel these emotions. You know, sometimes it's difficult. So when you're doing that for dating and your clients, that adds so much value, mm-hmm. even if they, you know, they are going to get a, gate, a date. I know they will from you. But just even to have that knowledge would be so valuable for your clients oh yeah and a lot of them have especially when we talk about sabotage their saboteur and really kind of understanding what their top way of get how they get in their own way and how they process and just even just that knowing that because that can really play a part when it comes to dating Mm -hmm. um it can really you can sabotage your dating life mm-hmm. uh, without even understanding uh, why you're doing it. So just having that awareness and it's not, and it's like, it's for me, it's, it's understanding more about who they are and then like understanding what their needs are, what is it that they're looking for. And then I also help them online date because I want to see you dating, like let's get you dating and let's, try to help you develop your own vetting process. I mean, I, I'm happy to, to be a matchmaker for you, but I want to empower you. Like I want you to feel good about your own dating life and understanding how do you, you know, what's your behavior? What are you allowing in? Because it's, I can give you all the tests and sit you down and be like, okay, these are the things you're looking for. But until your behavior, until I watch your behavior and what's going on, then those are the real true, like learning opportunities and moments where they're like, Oh yeah. Like I had one of my clients who was talking to this guy. She met him actually at, she met him at a, um, at an event and they started talking and she's like, he just, she's like, he will not stop asking me for nudes. I was like, what? (laughs) She's like, but all guys ask for nudes. I'm like, no, not all men ask for nudes. By the way, any ladies that are listening right now, not all men ask for nudes. No one's it's ever asked me thing. for nudes. I, I feel a bit offended that no one's asked me for nudes. I feel disappointed. You know? Like I feel disappointed. I know. And, I, and she was, and she was convinced. And and I told her, I said, no, this is not. No, this is unacceptable. Again, boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Boundary. No, I'm not sending you naked pictures. No, we're not talking about sex. No, we're not going to. This is understanding to like what kind of content you're going to, what, what exactly you're going to text. But I had to have the, I had this conversation with her and then she actually ended up meeting someone online. I'm helping her through. She met someone online and she was talking in my office and she's beaming because she's just like, Oh my gosh. And this guy is so wonderful. And I go, so did he ask for nudes? She's (laughs) like, no. And I'm like, 
Amazing. See? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, I know thank you. you. I, I appreciate you. Oh, I just, any time that I can connect with you, I just, uh, it just adds so much value to my life. But I know mm. it adds so much value to the listeners as well. So, let, where can they find you? I know you said your uh, handle on Instagram before, but can I get you to say it again? And also your business yes. accounts as well. Yes, yes. So if you're curious about your attachment style, I have a free quiz. Um, just go to my, just you can go to my website. It's theheartagency.com. Uh, and up at the top, it says quiz. You can just click on that and you can figure out what your attachment style is. So you can always go there. Um, and I have, I'm always holding uh, virtual workshops. I have another one that's coming up actually about online dating in the month of October. So you can find all that information on my website. And then, yes, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram uh, at Cat Cantrell and it's C-A-T-C-A-N-T-R-I-L-L. So that's where you can find me. Yay. Oh, and Dear Matchmaker, my podcast. Yes, Sheesh. definitely. You can find me over there too. Yeah. <laughs> Your podcast is amazing. Yes. So all of your details will be in the show notes as well. So if you wanted Thank to you. just jump onto the show notes, guys, um, you'll be able to find it really easy. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. And it's been Thank such you. an amazing, almost an hour um, of really connecting with you. So crazy. I just love being here. So thank you so much. 